All right, so here we go. If you've been living under a rock for the past few weeks, then you don't know what we're about to talk about here. But where have you been if you haven't seen this? Come on now. Untold, crime and penalties, sitting down here with the man himself, built a hockey team at 17, Mr. A.J. Galante. How's it going tonight, sir? How you guys doing, man? Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm super pumped for this. I'm super pumped. <laughs> Listen, he's wearing a CM Punk shirt right now, but you swear you're the best in the world. Hey. So, want to ask you right off the get-go, right off the hop here. So, you build a team at 17, but in the doc it said that you didn't even know anything was happening. You didn't know this was coming through. This was basically a dad seeing his son not in a position to be able to play, but let's give him the absolute next best thing, his own team to build and play NHL in real life. So, how did you feel? How did that all come about? You got that phone call, you're in school, you're like, nah, this can't be real. But it was real. And when you realized it was real, how did it hit you? Well, it's funny, you know, the whole story, I, I always tell people, I wish it was like a cooler story. Like me and my dad had this big moment where, you know, he, he like knights me, the president of the team <laughs> or something. But I mean, uh, you know, I wish it was like a cool thing like that. But Honestly, man, I mean, really what it was, was um, it was one night we're having dinner. It was a Sunday night. We were just talking and, um, you know, my dad's a very serious person, but he does like to joke around a lot and, you know, we, we have fun and he casually said, hey, listen, you know, I'm thinking about putting a team here in Danbury, minor league hockey team is professional, but minor league hockey and uh, you're going to run it for me. And, you know, again, I thought this was one of those, uh, you know, I was 17, so I thought he was kind of joking around, you know what I mean? Right, so I was like, right. yeah, sure, sure, Dad. No, no, you know, I was joking back. Like, hey, sure, yeah, I'll do it. No problem. And uh, that's where we left it. And then, like you said, <clears throat> you know, like I said in the doc, like a week later, I'm in school, and um, I got all these teachers coming, <laughs> coming after me, like, oh, my God, this is insane, blah, blah, blah. And I was just – I was – and I read the paper, I was just dumbfounded because it, it, you know, again, I truly thought he was joking around and I was joking around back with him. And then it's just kind of like, you know, you you know, back in those days, the papers were everything. So you see it in yeah. print and it's kind of like, oh my God, this is, this is insane. And honestly, bro, I, I wanted to back out. I was scared. I was just like, this is insane. Like, you know, for like a day or two. And that was the other funny thing is I went home that night and we didn't talk, we didn't even talk about it. it we, I went home and, you know, the more I've told this story over the past few weeks, I, I'm, I'm, re, I'm digging up like other things I, I didn't think about. Like, it, yeah. it's not like I called him and was like, oh my God, dad, I, I hate you or something. You know what I mean? Like, I just went home and I, we didn't like, it was kind of like we were playing a game of chicken. I didn't say a word. He didn't say a word. And honestly, I didn't sleep that night. I was just like, I gotta, I gotta say something. I gotta get out of this thing because uh, this is this is freaking me out. Yeah. When I said, listen, under under a pretense of a joke or not, I gave him my word, so I, I had to keep it. Right, right. So, can you take us behind the first signing? Because the the way the doc presented it, they were they they said, hey, uh, yeah, they they've signed Gretzky. I'm like. No, no, I don't think they did. Unless I missed something here, they signed Gretzky. And it was, oh, it's Brent Gretzky. Uh, oh, okay. I'm like, 
that is genius. So how did that idea come across your mind? Because at the time you're 17 and that is a marketing genius. It's probably one of the best marketing moves I've seen for a hockey team ever. Because yeah, he was a good player, but just the name attachment to this. How, how did you come across that whole idea? Well, to be honest with you, I mean, um, you know, after the adrenaline wore off that, hey, you're going to be part of this team and this and that. And, you know, then like reality sets in like, hey, we got to like put a team together now. So, mm-hmm. you know, our our nutty ass equipment manager, T-Bone, you know, we were talking a lot and uh, I got know, lots of questions guy. about that guy. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I can imagine. But uh, no, you know, basically, you know, again, I didn't know the UHL. I didn't know anybody. I, I know nothing, you know, and uh, basically he kind of gave me the initial like lay of the land, like who's, you know. And look, you, you buy those like media guide things, you know what I mean? So, you know, you, you're looking at stats and, and Brent at the time, I think the year before, God, where did he play? I want to say maybe like Port Huron or something like that. But, you know, when we saw the name, you know, and again, you know, me and my dad looked at each other and were like, what better way to, to you know, put it out there that we're getting a Gretzky, you know what I mean? So what we did was, between making the announcement of the team on April Fool's Day, between that and putting out to the media that we signed Gretzky, that first that that first press conference, because look, let's face it, you know, where, where we're from at the time, it definitely wasn't like a hockey hotbed. So we're like, how are we going to get people to even come to this like press conference? So we kind of leaked it that we signed Gretzky. Right. And, um, you know, no one thought to say, you know, like you said, it's kind of like, unfortunately, when people hear that name, there's only one person you're thinking. There's only so, one attachment, yeah. Yeah, so we leaked it out, and, uh, you know, it was weird because, like I said, we purposely did the press conference on April Fool's Day, so people didn't know whether this whole thing was a scam, was a joke, and, uh, you know, but they were like, Gretzky, that's crazy, and, uh, <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of how we started the, the mental warfare with people. I, I thought it was... I thought it was amazing. Was like, I don't think Wayne Gretzky played there. And it was, it's Brent Gretzky up at the podium. I'm going, oh my God, this guy's a genius. That's amazing. I, 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 it's marketing I, 101 I, though. It's marketing, absolute marketing 101. It was right great. There. It was great. So yeah, you, it was, you get the team going. You obviously sign Gretzky. You get that part of it. That's the key piece. Because now all the eyeballs are on you. But that wasn't the only guy that you dealt with that dealt with the NHL. I mean – there was a lot of guys on that team that they didn't even mention in the doc that played in the NHL. Yeah. I'm wondering for you, when this thing was being put together, did they ask you what guys that you would want to come on the dock and talk? Or was it, hey, we're going to get – these are the guys that we got, and that's it? I want to know what happened there. Like, why didn't Gretzky come on? Why didn't some of the other guys come on as well? Why was it only centric around those certain few? Well, you know, that's a great question. And the thing is, in the beginning, you know, they literally combed through our whole roster and like literally asked me about every single whether they played one game with us or two full seasons. You know, they did their research and they and I gave them, you know, my opinions on, you know, all of them. The unfortunate thing with a documentary that's only an hour and a half, they could only do so many guys. So, you know, I know for a fact, like they actually taped interviews with a couple of other guys that unfortunately for one reason or another it just they didn't have enough time you know what i mean they just oh. couldn't they couldn't fit it in unfortunately and uh but no i mean extend a cut then i i know and, and you know what the producers they were begging netflix to like 
let it go longer. And, uh, you know, Netflix for that whole untold series, they wanted all the episodes like around an hour and nine minutes. And ours was the longest one at an hour and 25. So they were like going to war, like they were pleading with Netflix to like, let it go longer, but you know, it's a documentary. They, um, they wanted to, you know, have it at a certain length, but yeah, it's unfortunate that, you know, there's so many, so many layers to the team that that unfortunately yep. you just can't get to everybody unfortunately so for you when you're building this team obviously they show you going on google and you know looking everybody up the unconventional way the way that we all would do it you know when we do our fantasy drafts and stuff i'm sure you did the same thing many times but this team it came together real well like you talk about you know chemistry and cohesiveness and things like that you know, both sides of your life came together well here because everybody understood your vision and rolled together like a family. And, you know, one guy got touched, everybody got touched. It was, it was all over, you know, and it was great to see that. And you want that in the sports as, as Toronto Maple Leaf fans, we wish they had a little heart like the Danbury Trashers going after guys when things happen, but that doesn't happen with the Leafs. So how did you, how did you get that to go? Like, did you tell everybody when you were talking to them, hey, this is my vision. This is what I want to happen. You know, can you step up and do this? If you're asked to fight, will you fight? Or was it just a, a thing that came naturally? Honestly, that's another great question. No one's ever framed it that way to me. Honestly, I would say that it, a lot of it was pretty natural. I mean, um, my dad, you know, like in the doc, was very direct in the beginning with like Wingfield and stuff like that. Yep. But I just think that guys knew, I mean, I didn't, we didn't talk to guys and be like, Hey, listen, you have to fight 20 times this season or we're cutting you. You know what I mean? It, it kind of like, I feel like it just happened organically. I think we put together, like you said, a culture where if you were coming into the locker room, you know, you kind of, you kind of, it's weird. It's very hard to explain. It's just whenever I mean, I could feel it to this day. When you walked into that locker room, like you said, you just you felt it. You know, it was everyone. I got to say, in two full seasons, you know, we never had issues with teammates. I mean, every sport, every team, you get some conflicts between guys and stuff. We never I got to tell you, unless I'm forgetting something, never a major conflict between guys. I mean, everyone kind of bought into division um i think they knew they were part of something special um and yeah man it was really organic to be honest with you i mean uh you know there were times obviously we we, we'd hype the guys up and stuff but it just was kind of like an unsaid thing guys just you know they i think they really and we looked for the guys that truly enjoyed that role you know the thing is in hockey i learned is you know obviously back then you had enforcers on teams that you know they knew that was the only way they're getting on the ice is is to play that role. What I realized was 80% of those guys didn't really like to fight, you know, and who really would want to do it anyway. But we look for the guys that actually like to fight, you know, guys that actually embrace that role. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I I think that also played a big part into it is um, these guys, it became like a friendly competition amongst each other. Like, Oh, who's going to have the most spectacular game? Who's going to be burying guys into the boards, you know? And it became like a healthy and not for the other guys, but it became like a healthy, (laughs) healthy competition. Now, was there a 
a tally tracker or something like that, you know, Wingfield say, I, I got this many kills or I got this many or that many and everybody going back and forth. Cause you know, guys get into that. Like you talk about points and assists, but some guys like to rack up the other way. And especially where the, the trashers were going, I could see there being a, Hey, I got 16 kills in the season when you get in yours. It was a duffel bag of cash on the trainer's table. <laughs> Allegedly. 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 Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, you know what? I will text Brad Wingfield when we're done. I feel like I'm not saying there was a tally, but now I got to find that out because I do remember there being something along the lines of whoever gets the first fight, mm. uh, you know, the rest of the guys buying them drinks or something like that. Or there was definitely like some friendly competition in there, but um, I don't know exactly what, but now I'm curious. I, I got to hit, hit him up after and ask him. No, yeah, oh, for sure. Well, Let's talk about T-Bone, too. Let's bring him into this mix because he's part of that craziness, too. So in the doc, they were talking about a whole lot of things that he did. Now, I got to ask, did you know about those things beforehand? Did he say, hey, I'm going to mess with them this way or I'm going to cut the bench or I'm going to give him six towels or were you kept in the dark so that way you couldn't get no plane? Well, listen, you know, I, I think this stat- right there. I think the statute of limitations is up, so I really don't care at this point. I, I mean, look. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? <laughs> I know. They can't They can't really find us anymore. So, yeah, I mean, look, T-Bone and I, I mean, it was like all of us, not just me and T-Bone. I mean, it was like, think of your the most fun, like, middle school sleepover you ever had. I mean, you know, maybe you were prank calling the operator or something, you know. I mean, everything with us was like a middle school sleepover. The, just like all hopped up on Mountain Dew or something. You know, I mean, we were, we just thought of the stupidest things sometimes. And we would just, any little thing to like make us like laugh. You know, we never thought we'd have a Netflix thing, you know, back in 2004. Yeah. Oh, no, so I don't think anybody would. Like, so, so, you know, it wasn't like we were looking to go viral. I mean, none of that stuff was happening. We were just doing it for pure entertainment for ourselves. And also to get any sort of advantage. And, uh, you know, I really think um, it definitely worked. I mean, some of the, some of the pranks we did, they, they landed. Some of them weren't as good, but we were always trying to one-up each other. Is there any pranks you pulled on the other teams that didn't make the documentary? Because I know there was shut off the hot water. You gave the guys like six paper-thin towels. Is there – I you can pass on the question, but are there some on there that didn't make it because they were too out there or – uh, allegedly an anonymous person would pull the fire alarms at the uh, guest hotels, oh, heard you know, like one. two, three, two, three, four in the morning. And, and that's really annoying because when a hotel alarm gets pulled, it's like, it's not like a school fire drill where you go out and come back. They really got to like <laughs> keep you out there. And, you know, during the season it's cold and these guys are coming out in their pajamas and shit. And, uh, it's, uh, it, Everything we did was just super annoying. I mean, I mean, allegedly. Just very, ale- very allegedly. I mean, these are all allegations, but <laughs> allegedly we were super annoying. I mean, just the, the, the dumbest things you could think of, just annoying would be the perfect yeah. adjective for us. It, like, it wasn't even bad because you hear stories in the NHL, like they'll paint the, the dressing room before this or there's paint fumes or they'll put like, I, I don't even like baking powder in the gloves the stuff you guys did it wasn't bad it was just an inconvenience that would piss somebody off and i'm yep. thinking i guess they didn't do anything wrong like they gave the other team towels well that's unfortunate the hot water was off the, the water's still <laughs> running for the showers you can still wash your hair i just thought it was it was genius 
what what's your relationship like with Tebow now? Do you guys still talk? Are you still friendly? What what's that like? At the yeah, moment? I mean, he, I mean, he thinks he's going to Hollywood now. I was talking to him. <laughs> I, was, I, I was talking to him with him earlier, and yeah. uh, you know, he's um. Listen, you know, all the guys <laughs> in the dock. You know, what you see is what you get, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, you, you look at him in the dock and, you know, the cigar, the whole nine yards. He looks like a, a you know, he looks like a bad villain from a Bond movie now, man. You know, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. the trainer anymore. He's that bad villain sitting there with the smoke. I mean, he's you got it. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he is something else. And, he's and, but, you know, I got, he has always been that way since I first met him. I mean, he has never changed. I'm not saying that's good. I'm not saying it's bad, but he is who he is. And uh, you know what you're getting. So let's talk about the commish for a sec here. Because oh obviously you came in the league with a whole lot of different ways of doing things. And, you know, in the first bit of that doc, he's like, not in my league, not in my house. And he talks about that meeting where he walked in with all you guys. And he said he wasn't intimidated. But I could see that it definitely could be intimidating and could be a problem. Did you ever get the vibe off of him that when you guys were rolling and doing your thing, that no matter what, he was going to end up being on the side of the dollar signs because that's what was rolling into that league. Nobody heard about this league. Then all of a sudden, ESPN, everybody's rolling up. There's trucks, there's fans. There's an entire section screwing over the commission. It's just going absolutely bonkers. Talk about Gary Bettman style getting booed. But did you ever feel from him that, A, maybe a little bit of intimidation there and we may be able to get away with what we want to get away with? We may get fined, but he's not shutting us down. I love, I, I'll still call him Mr. Brussel. I, I still love Mr. Brussel. I mean, he was from, 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 I mean, what he described, like first meeting me, it was literally to a T. I mean, when he saw me for the first time, I mean, he, his jaw literally did drop. And I just remember just being like, Hey, commission, you know, just like just busting balls. And, and he was just like, it, it became like a, a comedy show. I mean, he would get so mad at me. I mean, because we played our games on weekends. You know, the bulk of our season was always on the weekends. Home yeah. or away, didn't matter. So I, I went to college in uh, New York, which is like 45 minutes from here. And, uh, you know, every Monday morning on my way back to New York, um, you know, for college, sure enough, at 9 o'clock on the dot, I'd get the call. And, um, you know, I'd have to put him on speaker on the phone in the car and, he would just be ripping me. Uh, what you guys are insane. What are you doing? I heard you did this. I heard you do that. The good thing about back then is there wasn't camera phones. So a lot of it was legitimately allegations. So, you know, <laughs> I'd be like, you know, Mr. Commissioner, I, I don't know. I, I'll have to look into this. You know, um, I don't know what transpired here, you know, and, and yeah. he'd be like, I know, you know, like you're lying. But always at the end, you know, he had just such a love hate with me and and us and and I would just get under his skin so much. But he'd be like, "Ah, oh, AJ, come on, get it together." And and I'd be like, "All right, I'll do better this week." And then sure enough, the next week he'd call, <laughs> and it just would go on and on and on. But you know what? He he, I gotta be honest with you. I don't know if he was intimidated. I just think like, I think he realized, especially the second year, like what we were building was kind of working mm -hmm. and um, listen, I mean, it was, it was a high level pro league, but at the same time, it wasn't the NHL. So there has to be something to separate you from your competition. You know, what's, what's to make someone come to a UHL game over an East coast league game. You know what I mean? Like 
yep. what, you know, at the end of the day, it is a business. You know, I understand it's a league. I mean, let's face it. There's no league bigger than the NHL. So, you know, if you look at, you can't look at the NHL as competition. You have to look at the other minor league, you know, um, yep. you know, leagues. And what's to stop them from coming to you to going over there? So I think he understood it, but, you know, he still had a job to do. Yeah. And, um, man, he would, uh, every Monday, every Monday he'd call me pissed. And, uh, you know, it just went on two years, two seasons, every yeah. single time. He had the biggest, to use wrestling terms, he had the biggest face turn of the show. Because at the the whole yeah. show, he was like, oh, I hate these guys. They're terrible. They're ruining my league. And then at the end, he's sitting on his balcony. I guess he's retired now with his little dog. He's like, you know what? They weren't so bad. So I was like, okay, make your mind up, dude. Like, whatever. Yeah, he was uh, he, he was a character for sure. So you mentioned the NHL and you got a, was it Mike Rupp? You were able to get him. Tell yeah. us the story behind that. How did that, we know how the idea came around, but I'm sure there's an untold story there. And what was the initial meeting with him like? Because I'm sure that was a shock for both of you, him coming in <laughs> from the NHL from, and then you meeting with a NA, legitimate NHL player who st scored a Stanley Cup goal coming onto your team. What was that experience like? Well, it was super, it was super cool. Cause again, I'm a New Jersey, you know, I grew up a New Jersey Devils fan. So, Right. You know, that, that, that year when we went to the cup against the Ducks, you know, 03, I mean, I remember them calling him up from the minors, you know, that playoff because they were, you know, had some injuries. And, you know, I was literally like right in front, you know, where diagonally from where, you know, he, he I think it was Jeff Friesen took a shot and he deflected it. I don't know why I remember this, but I, I just, you know, to see the Stanley Cup live was crazy. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? In the arena, it was like, you know, because that's the best trophy in sports. And, yes. uh, you know, just to, just to see my favorite team win it, you know, live was, was crazy. And, uh, Mike Rupp always stuck in my head, like, Hey, that's kind of cool. He wasn't like a top player and he came in and he made history. You know what I mean? He, he helped win the cup for the devs and, uh, yeah, man, when the, when the lockout started, it was kind of like, you know, why not go after some NHL guys? You know what I mean? Yep. I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, the high guys aren't going to, you know, do anything but you know guys like Mike Rupp at the time were like mid-level guys you know maybe they want to stay warm and just play and um I'll be honest with you I don't remember who made the initial contact with him I really don't but all I know is eventually it came to fruition that he was going to come and I was so excited I was like this is crazy I I like a year and a half earlier I saw him you know win a cup mm -hmm. and uh so usually we had someone who would go up if we had to pick someone up at the airport in, in New York, we would, you know, we had someone who would do it. So I told my dad, like, no, 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 I'll get him. Like, I, I want to get Mike Rupp, you know, I mean, uh, so we actually flew him into Westchester airport, which is probably like 30 minutes from New York city, but right by my college. And so the, the deal was we were going to fly him into Westchester airport on the Friday. I was, I was going to leave class. I left class early to go pick him up. And uh, we were going to take him. There was a home game. We were going to take him to the arena. So, you know, Mike Rupp, you know, I, you know, usually when you go to an airport, someone's picking you up. It's usually, you know, a, you know, a limo guy with a suit. And he's got, you know, that that name tag thing for people. So, you know, like, you know, I'm picking you up. Yep. And I just remember, I just remember, you know, I see him come in. You know, he's a big guy. And uh, Westchester's not a huge airport anyway. And I see him and he's walking. 
and uh, I'm in street, you know, I'm in regular clothes, you know, just like how I was dressing in the dock. And I just yep. was like, hey, Mike Rob. I was like, how you doing, man? And I think he just thought I was a fan or something. So he kind of like, you know, nodded and kept walking. And I was just like, hey, Mike, you know, I'm your right. <laughs> and he's looking at me. He's looking at me and I'm looking at him and I'm just like, I'm cheesing. I'm, I'm so happy, you know? And he's like, and he's just like, you're, you're AJ. I'm like, yeah, I'm AJ. And he's looking, you know, he's by himself. So it's like, he he doesn't have anyone else to like, tell him like, yeah, that's really him. So you could see it in his face. He didn't know if this was some sort of a joke or like some sort of like, I'll never forget the look on his face. And I still joke with him too about it to this day. And uh, it's like, he, he couldn't tell, like, if this was BS or not. And finally, he's like, okay. So we, we got in the car. And, uh, you know, I'm making conversation with him. We're driving. And, and he's just, he's looking out the window. And he's just like, you could just tell he was super, super confused. It was the funniest thing ever. And then we get to the arena. And, you know, he meets my dad. He meets all the guys. And you could tell, like, the relief. Like, he was like, okay, this is for real. But this was super. I mean, just his face, you know, like, he tried to, like, he was walking past me at the airport figuring I would just recognize him as a fan or something. It was so funny. Yeah. Did you try and sign any other NHL guys during the lockout, or was it just that? Oh, dude, 100%. I, I, I went full video game mode. You know what I mean? I was trying to go – I was trying to stack the team like a video game. I, yeah. We went after uh, – I tried to get Georges Larocque. I tried to oh. get Donald Brashear. Um, I wanted just like a fantasy video game enforcer yeah. line, you know, which would have been a total waste of money because – nobody was going to fight those guys. You know what I mean? So yeah. the dream, we came very close with Brashear, like this close. He ended oh, up wow. choosing the, he ended up, he ended up going to the Quebec league. Um, they probably threw crazy dollars at him, but we had, we were very close with him, which would have been cool. But uh, we had for a few games, we had Steven Pete from the Capitals. He was a tough guy. Yeah, I remember that. Um, you know, Mike Ruff, obviously. Um, we tried it. We, and he played in our league with uh, the Detroit team, but we, I came, well, we came extremely close in, uh, in trading for Sean Avery, which was going to be. Oh, he would have fit that doc perfectly. I mean, I, I, everyone asked me like, what's the biggest regret you have? And the only regret I have is somehow we weren't able to make that trade happen. Cause so he was playing, I think he was playing with the LA Kings at the time. And during the lockout, Motor City had a team, an inaugural season like us, and they weren't a good team. But for like five games, they had Chris Chelios, uh, Darian Hatcher, Marty Lapointe. You know, a couple guys from the Red Wings skated a few games. I think it was just for publicity for the team, to be honest with you. Yep. But Sean Avery, Sean Avery ended up on that team, and he was really trying. Like he was trying. Like. He was like, it was like an NHL game to him. He was legitimately competing and grinding. And I was just like, yo, we got to get Sean Avery on the trashers. I'm like, this guy's, you know, he's, he's born for this. Yeah. And um, we came very close. And, and I honestly don't remember why it didn't happen. But, oh, man, that would have been, that would have been so funny to have him on that team. It, it, yeah. it would have been insanity. Oh, the, the shit talking would have been amazing. Absolutely. Oh. Um, him and Wingfield on the ice together, just going after guys. And Marasty, and, Marasty and, and yeah, uh, I mean, Sean Avery, oh, man, I that would have been a beautiful marriage there. 
I just want to throw in a side note. Like we're talking about all these enforcers and all these fighters and all that. You guys were actually pretty fucking good. Like, <laughs> you, well, you had, yeah, yeah, you had two 90 plus seasons. I think once the second season, you had 107 points. And that's something I wanted to touch on. And you mentioned it earlier, too. Yep. The, do- the documentary made it seem like it was only one season, but it was two seasons. Can you just yeah. tell us quickly what the main difference between the first and the second season was? Well, the first season, you know, I call that like the shock factor season. I think we were doing so much crazy stuff that first year. I mean, we had, I mean, we shattered the penalty minutes record in that league that first year. But yeah, we, also, we yeah. also made the playoffs. We advanced, you know, we, we won the first round. We lost in the second round. Then the second year we made it to the finals and we, we mm-hmm. lost the finals and to this day, if we had two of our best defensemen who ended up getting hurt the series before, I really think we could have won it all that year. But, um, yeah, that was the main differences. But, you know, you you said it. I mean, we rightfully so. We got the bulk of our attention from the fighting, the craziness, the antics, the, you know, just the psychoticness of this team. But the reality was, like you said, we had a lot of guys who could play, and we, we were oh, putting yeah. up points. Oh, and- yeah, you were. Every, every, I mean, we were racking up points, you know, every game usually. And, um, you know, it was nice. And a lot of people used to say to me, oh, I'm sure the skilled guys hated being on this team because it's a circus. I said, it's the opposite. These guys know that they're not even going to get poke checked because they're going to have to answer for it. So these guys, I mean, unless you, and I didn't play at a high level, but I know when I play hockey, you know, they had a lot of room to skate, man. I mean, no one was going to look to run them. No one was looking, no one was looking to like, try to take the puck from them because there was like six, seven, eight guys that would have just, you know, they would have been all over you. So I used to tell people, no, you're wrong because these guys loved it because they had no fear. They could just skate and they, they wouldn't even get, you know, no one would even bat an eye at them. I want to ask you about obviously putting the teams together. Obviously the two teams did really well. Now, when you came into that league, obviously you were green as green could be. You like you said, it was video game mode. So what was the response like from other GMs and things like that around the league? You know, you coming in, obviously, with the, the hoopla and then the fanfare throughout the season. Obviously, there had to have been some barbs thrown your way. People obviously knew who your dad was. But, you know, with hockey, people are purists. They're always yeah. purists, right? It's always the old gatekeeper holding that gate saying, no, I'm a GM. I've been in the hockey since I was – five years old and I've done yeah. all this stuff I've played now I'm running this team. Now you come in at 17 and you put a team together. So what was it like from the beginning then to the end of the first season, you obviously gained respect because the team did well, you went far and you, you put up numbers. So obviously what you built worked. Did you feel that throughout the season? Did you feel guys go from that one keel? Like this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's in over his head to, Oh shit, this guy knows what he's doing. Now we're in over our head with this guy who's going to beat us over the head with the guys that he's got. <laughs> well, listen, you know, and again, I, I'm really so humbled with, you know, how everyone thinks so highly of the job I did. And, and But honestly, it was a total team effort. I mean, it wasn't just me. We had a great team overall, including my father, who ultimately had to okay everything. He really was the visionary and kind of green-lighted, you know, the ideas, you know, and – uh you know, we well, had I got a some questions team. about the ideas. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, you know what it was? 
I don't know what other guys were saying because we didn't go to owners meetings. We didn't go to GM meetings. We didn't, you know, we would, we would send random people in our place because you know, there was mandatory like league, there's like mandatory league, you know, meetings and things, you know, you need someone representing the team. And, yeah, and for sure. typically, typically it's, you know, these, you know, these guys go away for a weekend on these resorts, they go golfing, you know, they're doing this, they're doing that. We sent, the first year we sent my mother and my sister to go. And my sister, my, my, yeah, my sister was like 13 at the time. So we sent her to like, just sit at the friggin' conference table. And I think at that point they realized how crazy we were. So I don't know. I, I, I got to tell you a lot of the GMs and, and like the, the front office people, I got the impression like a lot of them liked it already. Like they were like, mm-hmm. I wish I was with those, these guys. You know what I mean? I think the owners, there was always that little jealousy. I don't know if it was jealousy, but look, let's be honest. I, I could see why they would feel a certain way. I mean, we came in, we, the puck didn't even drop on the season. We're sitting there saying, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We were cocky. I mean, I could totally understand. I mean, if it was the other way around, I'd be like, look at this kid. You know what I mean? But we we just wanted to set the tone right away and um so i don't know what was said and what wasn't said to be honest because we didn't we didn't interact with anyone <laughs> the trash is on an island well you talked about your father i want to ask this question about him obviously everything went through him did he give you a budget or was it just hey whatever you need we will find a way to make it work allegedly on the books off the books it doesn't matter we'll figure it out or did he say hey listen it's nice that you want that guy but it's going to cost me a lot of this. It's not happening. Nah, he just gave him his credit card and said, go for no, it. No, no, no. Listen, <laughs> I equated it. I'll put it into baseball terms, okay? I was the starting pitcher, okay? I would, I would, um, I would set the tone. I would, I would do my part in identifying who would fit here, who wouldn't. And my dad was the closer, closing pitcher. However he closed the game out, that's none of my business. He, uh, he did what he had to do. <laughs> And, uh, hey, listen, he, he, uh, he had a lot of saves on his record. He was a good closer. That's all I can say. I, I, don't, I don't know. Listen, I want to follow that one up yeah. right quick then. So with everything your dad did then, so you didn't know. That was – you just ran the team. You didn't know nothing. Hey, I when had – It was I, all I a think, surprise to you. I, I was as shocked as you guys. I mean, I, I you know, I would identify things and – yeah. I would close out and close out. I mean, I had yep. papers to write. I was in college. I mean, I, you know, sometimes, you know, I think, you know, I think we did come to find that our accountant had a little bit of dyslexia. Maybe he thought the, the, you know, the, the salary cap was reverse numbers. I don't know, but oh honestly, my God. you know, I, I, I uh, you know, I was more of a history guy in school, not math. So that they couldn't have left that to me. <laughs> so well, first off, you, obviously you did well with the team. So yeah. now the doc has come out and, you know, everything's rolling. Everybody's getting excited. Have you heard from any other leagues that said, hey, we may like you to come in here and create a little noise for us? You know, I, I'll talk about the uh, 2.0 thra- Trashers in a minute and uh, something I want to ask you about the Atlanta Thrashers too. But has there been any outreach? Has anybody reached out and said, hey, AJ, why don't you guys come and try your work a little magic over here? You know, no, not really. And um, even after 06, I mean, no. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that 
who knows? I think maybe that phase of my life is over. I mean, it, 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 it rose and fell real quick, but I mean, you never know about the future, but I, I don't know. I mean, um, no, I haven't heard from anyone to be honest with you. And, uh, you just, you don't, you, you don't, you don't know what could come with the future. That's well, that's why I'm asking this question. Then you guys were sitting around the table, allegedly wondering what would the trasher logo look like now? And now it got all drawn up and he's all hopped up and ready to go. And then there's the, would you ever bring it back? And there was a nice article written about maybe, maybe, you never know. It could be football. It could be hockey. It could be something coming back to Danbury. So it sounds like the Galante's fingers are on a lot of things, but nothing's nailed down. Can you confirm that? There's something coming. I, there's a lacrosse there's, team there's coming a smile or something. On your Look face at them. Yeah. Thousand things. Nah, you know, I smile because it, it's it's super humbling. Like people wanted to come back so bad, and you know, like I said, honestly, people think I lie. I literally wake up with no plan with my day. I have a couple objectives, and wherever the wind takes me. I mean, they we we you know, even with the team, we winged everything. I mean, there was no plans. It wasn't like a whiteboard where we had like objective. We just winged it. So I wouldn't be shocked if one day I woke up and it's like deja vu. There was something in the paper. And then my dad tells me, oh, yeah, we're doing this. I wouldn't be shocked. But yeah. at the same time, I don't know. I mean, we haven't totally spoken about it. I mean, so many people. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Could you ever bring something? I mean, it was I think the trash is represented more than just a hockey team. It was it was like a day and age like it was a different time back then too you know what i mean i mean sorry to cut you off i thought they did a really good job of representing the community and what it did for them because it wasn't it wasn't just the first time they lost a hockey they lost the the whalers as well right so like when when it came back especially yeah when it came back they oh we got a hockey team back oh they're good oh they're entertaining and it brought everybody together and we saw that with the reunions at the end and all that i just thought they did a really good job of that sorry to cut you off there it's just something no, it's okay. And, and yeah, I mean, I think that was always the biggest thing to me is, you know, winning and losing, you know, look, we wanted to win it all. It would have been, yeah, it sure. would have been, it would have been outstanding to win the finals that year and then be out of the league the next year. That would have been hilarious, but um, you know, it would have been crazy, but you know, I'll be honest with you. You know, I think what brings, I know for a fact for me and my father, what brings us the most pride is, you know, exactly what you just said, man, is, how much this team still like drums up emotion with people. I mean, you know, it's like, I see people, I'm, I still live in Danbury. I mean, I'm still in the city here. So I, I see mm-hmm. people since 2006 up until this Netflix thing, I still have been talking, you know, people who talk to me about the trashers and what it would mean to them. And that's always the best thing is like, just how, how, you know, it, it gave a lot of people a lot of purpose and, I never would have in a million years would have thought, you know, a hockey team could do that, but it truly did for a lot of people. Well, look at this. I mean, so the doc comes out and all of a sudden there's pictures of Mr. Drake walking around with a Danbury (laughs) Trashers jersey on. Now, did you know about that beforehand or was that something that he just did off the the cuff of his own or uh, did he reach out and get a jersey because he was a big fan of the show? What was that all about? That's, that's something I got to know about because obviously we're from Canada. Drake's one of the biggest ones from here, but that's huge, man. Rocking the Danbury Trashers jersey. Yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, I've I've lived a weird life. That was probably top ten weirdest thing that's ever happened in my life. Um, 
Yeah, man. I mean, the documentary dropped Tuesday, August 31st. And the very next day, one thing led to another. It was super random, but I'm, I'm speaking with this man. And uh, he was telling me how... Drake. No, no big deal. Yeah, I, I know. And that's, and you know what? It, it's funny because um, I took a screenshot of our conversation. I said, listen, I'm not going to post this. You're going to see I screenshotted this. But I'm letting you know so my wife doesn't think I'm lying. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to... Like, like I told him straight up, like people are going to think I'm, I really lost it. You know what I mean? So he just said, listen, I'm working on this album. I'm finishing it up. I was, you know, this stock was trending in Canada at the time and I watched it. And I was just like, I, I just, I don't get, I wouldn't say I was starstruck. I just was more or less like, I just, I think at that point I realized the reach of this thing, like how many people can actually watch this. And, um, he said to me straight up, he's like, hey, I really would love to have a Danbury Trasher jersey, you know? And, um, you know, again, the team hasn't played in over a decade, so I don't have them stockpiled up right now. I mean, I wish I was prepared. So the only thing I could think of was, well, I got my original Trasher prototype jersey that when we were trying things out, you know, framed in my office at my boxing gym. So he's like, I need it by, you know, Thursday night, basically. And it was Wednesday. So I went, I broke the frame in my office. I took it out. You know, I had somebody I know, uh, this guy, Ray. I was like, listen, you got to drive up to Buffalo like tonight. You know what I mean? And uh, drop this off. He, 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 he uh, Drake sent someone basically from, you know, Ontario, Toronto, wherever he is over to Buffalo. We sent, you oh, know, I, I know sent exactly a guy. where he sent him from. We know where Drake's house is. Yeah, <laughs> Everybody well, knows listen, where Drake lives. Listen, so yeah, he, uh, you know, he got the jersey and, you know, I told him, I was like, listen, man, if you want the jersey, you got to have the jersey. I said, but send me a picture or something. You know, I just would be cool to see it. To, uh, that Friday, you know, that Saturday morning, two in the morning, early, my phone starts lighting up like a Christmas tree. And uh, he posts the freaking, you know, pictures with him with the jersey. And I was shocked. I was like, this is crazy right now. And uh, it was super cool, man. I mean, he's a really humble dude. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm 35 now, so. You know, I'm not into music as much, but obviously I know who he is. I listen to yeah. his stuff. But man, super, super humble guy. And uh, I told him, I'm like, I want that jersey back. I said, I'll get you your own. I said, but I need that one back for sure. If you could sign it for me or something. So he claims he will. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I told him I'm going to get him. And I said, I'll get you your own custom one. But I need that one back for sure. So, AJ, I have a couple of questions. They're totally unrelated to the Trashers. They're about you. You've mentioned numerous times on this that you went to college. And I don't think the yeah. documentary did a good enough part of this saying, yeah. what, what, you were, what, what were you at college for? Be honest with you, my mom wanted me to go to college. You know, she, she's, yeah. like, she's like, you know, I, I had, you know, aside from the Trashers, um, you know, it was kind of written for me. I was going to work for my dad. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, it was just kind of like, yeah. You know, I go into the business or whatever, and uh, you know, but my mom's like, "Nope, you're going to college." You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean Sorry, I didn't like, mean like I didn't mean like why were you there? Like, what what did you study? What were you? What oh, program I, were you? I, I, I did. Um, I, so I majored in uh, business management, right. and um, I minored in history, and okay. um, you know, it was it was crazy. It was it, the more I think about it, it was just such a crazy balance. But we we got mm -hmm. it done. I mean, there'd be times I'd be in class working on trasher stuff. And there'd be yeah. times I'd be, there'd be times I'd be at the games in between periods working on college stuff. So it was such a weird, um, 
it was such a weird balance of everything. You know, half of my college career was dealing with, with the trashers basically full time. I think that's one thing they really should have included because like I'm, I'm in college right now I'm in my third year and, uh, for sport management and just the, the balance of everything. Like I've got this, I've got my wrestling show. I've got the, uh, I've got work. Like that balance, people don't fully understand it. That yeah. They just kind of left yeah. it out. I, like if you hadn't have mentioned it, I wouldn't know you were at college. So I, yeah. I think that's, that's one thing people like, they don't really appreciate. You were able to have this mega awesome, super hockey team. And you were also going through college. That was something amazing. And one thing, as a massive wrestling fan, I got to ask, take us through that 10th birthday party because I need, I got to know what it's like to meet Triple H and everybody that was there. Take us through it. Just, I, well, I want to hear. Well, yeah. my, you know, because everyone's been asking, you know, more people ask me about, you know, people think I'm like besties with The Rock. I'm like, I don't know. You know, I'm not, we're not friends. I don't have his number. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. So, you so might like, now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't heard from him, but hopefully he comes across this. But uh, no, it's funny, man. Uh, you know, there was an old time wrestler, you know, um, Captain Lou Albano, old time wrestler. Yep. Um, he actually he lives out this, you know, he did. He, he's deceased. But my dad was friendly with him and his family, you know, back in the day. So the day of my birthday party that year, what are we talking about? Ninety seven. Um, you know, they had a house show in New Haven, Connecticut that night in new right. haven's new haven's probably 40 minutes south of us so my dad arranged it with you know captain lou you know hey you got a couple guys that you know could come to the birthday party again people have asked me i don't know if my dad paid what he paid the whole nine yards i have no idea yep. all i know is you know they show up and i mean again it was before he was the rock he was rocky Maivia. Um, Triple H was back on, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was before. It was literally like six to eight months before they formed the Generation X yeah. or Nation of Domination. I mean, it was before they really all blew up. Before and the they pop, were like, yeah. you know, they were they were like mid card guys at the time. Yeah. And um, oh man, the, just the great. You know, they were so they were so sweet to everybody. They were so nice. They uh, took pictures. They hung out for like an hour and a half, two hours. You know what I mean? Wow. They um. Yeah, they, they hung out. Uh, Triple H was hilarious. He was, like, busting the Rock's balls the whole time. Like, you know, Rocky was, like, mad. He was really shy, actually. He was, like, quiet, and uh, but very nice. China was the best. I mean, China was... Um, She's so underappreciated, I think. Yeah. Oh, my. She was the most personable one. I mean, they were all great, but she was, like, going out of her way to like make sure we all had like just this fun memorable time it was it was unbelievable and uh man she was um it's crazy to think she passed away too but she was so cool man and i mean she was built i mean you know you see it on tv but she was brolic i mean she was she was so big it was it was insane yeah do you still watch the product today like are you are you catching up or yeah, you know, you know, I still wrestling will never not be in my life. Um, I go through weird waves. Like right now, like I'll probably be off it a little bit to like Royal Rumble season, and then once Royal Rumble I comes, I, I I go right through WrestleMania. Then I then I need a break. Then I catch up on SummerSlam. And yeah, but no, I mean, uh, it was weird during COVID without the audience. It was weird for me. You know, I didn't I didn't like that either. I it. it it felt you need that crowd pop, right? Like I think yeah, the moment, I, you, you know, know when, and, and and I appreciated that they were obviously still trying, obviously, and that you got to mm-hmm. look. I know in my business alone too, you got to pivot and, and make do with what you got. But 
it was hard for me to keep up when when there was no crowd and you had like all those tv screens in there it was kind of weird for me but um oh the thunder yeah, yeah i i've been slowly trying to catch up i mean um you know now i keep you know this aew thing's a huge yes. buzz right now um so now they that kind of caught my attention and uh, i saw oh, it's so good it's so good eh yeah I, and uh so it's it's kind of caught my attention um you know when i saw cm punk you know show up there i was like oh whoa they, they're serious over there so you know it's it's definitely um i think it's great for the wrestling business i think um oh yeah I mean, it's nice to be able to say you are the biggest thing in wrestling, like WWE is. But if you don't have someone kind of riding on your, you know, if you don't have someone kind of pushing you a little bit, I think the product gets stale. You know, I remember, yes, you know, I when I grew lot. up. I mean, when I grew up, I mean, them and WCW were in. You know, that was the greatest because I mean, yeah. it was literally like, you know, I had like one set of friends that were all WCW guys, and I was That's a awesome. WWF guy, and. Like we wouldn't even talk to each other on Monday nights. It was like it was like a gang war. It was like the WCW guys over here, and then we had the WWF guys, and it was like I, I miss those times because it was like a competition. Now I think this is the you know for me to hear something because I'm so like under you know I'm always doing so many things. For me to know of another wrestling promotion like that, I think that's great for the business. I really do. And honestly, I'll I'll, I'll keep it real with you. And I have no knowledge, obviously. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know why I feel like Vince McMahon has something to do with AEW. I don't know why. I am on that boat. There is a small majority of us. You and I are on the same boat. He owns yeah. that company somehow, some way. I don't know what he has to do with it, but that is one of the smartest. I've never met him. I wish. But that is a very smart individual, no matter what anyone says. I don't know. I, I guess it's, maybe it's, it's, he, he, he doesn't have a stake in it, but he's got something to do with all these wrestlers going over there. Right. Like you don't just get like Daniel Bryan just went there. Brian. Daniels, yeah. Well, yeah. Daniel Bryan. I saw that. And I was like, what? I was like, what? And, and Adam Cole, the biggest NXT. You don't let your best wrestlers nah, go there. No, 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 no. There's yeah. definitely something. And you know why? And I'm going to tie this into something. The reason I feel like I think he has something to do with it because he reminds me a lot of my father. My father going into the second season in the UH, you know, that second season, mm -hmm. my dad came this close to purchasing our rival, Adirondack Frostbite, and he right. was going to put my sister as the president of the team. And we oh were going to have God. this, like, we were going to have this, like, family warfare going on, which would have been horrible, but my dad's no, like, no, nah, that would have been amazing. No, oh, that would have been a game changer for the league for sure. Yeah. For and, sure. and so that's my point is part of me feels like Vince – He's a smart. He's a smart guy, man. I don't know. There's something about it that feels fishy to me. I mean, there's uh, something about having your feet held to the fire, and that's yeah. what it is with AEW on the heels of WWE. It's gonna make them better because now they yeah. have to push the envelope again. Yep. They have to do more. Like when Eric Bischoff came out and would read the results of Raw before yeah. Raw started, so no one will watch Raw because they already know what happens. Those yeah, when, yeah. I mean, it, and, and and that's what I'm saying. I feel like he has something to do with it because, you know, I think what they did was, and I, I pay attention, you know, WWE is a publicly traded company now. So unfortunately yeah. he has, you know, unfortunately he has to answer to investors. And I think he can't be as edgy as he really wants to be because he has to answer to these investors. Right. So I feel like, I feel like if he's pushing AEW in a way, it kind of justifies him having to go to the investors and be like, hey, listen, guys, this is a real threat. 
you know, we gotta, we gotta change up our product a little bit. I, I, I think in a very sick manner, but I know how some of these guys think. I, I see something. I mean, I could be wrong, but I definitely see the conspiracy theory with that one. There's there's something there, and I think it's a little more than a conspiracy theory because there's yeah. two. Uh, we could talk about this forever. You know what, AJ? I'll, I'll throw it out there. I'll shoot my shot. If you ever want to come on our wrestling show, you're more than welcome. Because I can talk hey, about you let me you let me know, man. I gotta catch up a little more current stuff. To, so I could I could oh, yeah. sound like I know what no, I'm talking about. No, no, we'll talk classics for hours. That's the best. Oh yeah, man. I listen. You, you know, mid '90s to the early 2000s. I'm with you. So you you yeah. let me know, and uh, uh, we'll do it. We'll we'll, we'll link after this. 100, percent bro. I'll be there. So how's the uh, how's the gym going now? Tell us about that. What are you doing yeah. there? Where's it located? Where can we find you? Yeah, no, my boxing gym is uh, Champs Boxing Club. It's in Danbury. It's literally two minutes from the ice arena, which is funny. Uh, I pass ice arena every day. It's kind of weird. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, we've the gym's about six and a half years old now. We got a lot of, you know, professionals out of there. We got amateurs out of there. Um, you know, I got a nice nonprofit out of there for kids, you know, to come and, and you know, you know, give them something to do after school, you know. And, uh, no, it's been it's been great. I mean, boxing is a whole nother crazy world, you know. I always seem to find myself in these weird environments. I feel like it's, I feel like I'm learning something about myself as years go by. I'm a little tweaked because some of these industries I get myself into are insane, but uh, no boxing. Um, boxing's definitely filled a void in my life, you know, since we lost the team and uh, it got me back involved with sports and um, you know, just trying to make a difference where I can, just like with the trashes, we, we try to make an impact in the community and, and within the, the, the sport itself. And, uh, I think we're getting there with the whole boxing thing as well in, in due time. It's, uh, so when I, is I the next Netflix talk coming out about the boxing gym then? Because that's got to be the next thing, right? Uh, I hope so. I, I mean, my my best case scenario, <laughs> the best case scenario is somehow this thing blows up like Tiger King and Netflix just wants to do anything for us. And I'm going to be like, listen, man, you guys got to hey. start letting me you, get, you guys got to let All you got to do is start another pandemic and everybody will be watching that shit. <laughs> Listen, he didn't even need a pandemic for this one. Everybody was in. They they could have broke this up. And listen, I've listened to this be talked about and broken down by so many different shows that you've been on. You could have broke this up into separate episodes and had two or three seasons about this and broke down each season and broke down all the stuff. Because you you have the team, your dad's story, your story, going to school. It's just one big thing that you could have – it could have morphed into so much more. I want to ask the question – did Netflix give you guys creativity to do what you want, like what you want to say, or did they have a framework that you had to be within to get this done and nailed down the way they wanted? No, I mean, I deal with the producers, you know, Netflix contracted these two young um, producers, McLean and Chapman way, the brother, you know, the way brothers, they, they um, produce all five episodes and, um, They've done a really good job with all the other oh, ones. Oh, I mean, they, they, they're both, both of them are younger than me, which is weird because I've always grown up being the youngest of the group and I'm like the oldest out of the three of us and uh, just the coolest guys, the most humble guys, super talented. And I got to tell you, I mean, um, obviously they answered to Netflix, you know, and, uh, but honestly, man, I, I mean, they, they were very straight up with us. I mean, they didn't sandbag us. I mean, I was always a little worried, you know, you know, sometimes people tell you what they want to hear so they could get what they want, you know, if they yep. want to do a documentary, but 
they um you know ultimately they produced the whole thing they but they they leaned on a lot of us for opinions um and, and they really you know we felt like we were part of producing this almost i mean we just um, they kept us in the loop um great guys sorry that's awesome to hear aj do you, have you ever heard of the show dark side of the ring yeah that's on vice right i think yeah or, it, it had a very dark side of the ring feel to it which i loved yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i a few people have mentioned that. I, I did watch. Um, I just watched the new into, one. The plane yeah, there's, ride a, from hell there's one. a second. There's a second season coming out, or is it out already? I think uh, they're uh, they're on season three now. Oh my god! See, I, I remember seeing the <laughs> one. What is the one I watched? I think it was, was it New Jack. I watched one of yeah, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, man, I I gotta go back and watch some of the ones I didn't. But I did watch a few of them. And uh, no, yeah, I mean, I, those I, are those are great. Yeah, no, I, I don't usually like documentaries. My wife, she loves documentaries. She'll watch whatever is, you know, a, a document series. And then I saw this and I was like, oh, it's a document. Okay, I'll check it out. I was hooked in the first five minutes. Yep. And then it, yeah. within the first 15 minutes, I think I messaged my buddy, I said, who's also a wrestling fan. I said, this has a real dark side of the ring feel to it. He, yeah, goes, yeah. Yeah. he goes, yeah, yeah, it does. I think that's why you're enjoying it. So I was like, yeah, I, I kind of love it. And I think one thing about this documentary it ended happy. Like we saw everybody yes. was happy and they were on their yeah. way. You know, you, uh, I think you surprised, uh, who, oh, who did you surprise at the end? Um, oh, I forget the name, but you surprised somebody at the end with a, with a hug and everything. It was fantastic. I thought it was yeah. great. Yeah, no, it was, you know, I think it was also the time. I mean, they filmed what, uh, 2019. I mean, so much has passed since then. I mean, if they would have filmed this documentary like five years after the team folded, I don't think it would have been as a happy of an ending, you know, just with everything right. that was going on. I mean, the stars just aligned. And, uh, you know, it's hard because I don't want to sound biased, but I really thought they did an amazing job with it. And I'm a pretty tough critic. And uh, and they were accurate. That's the thing. With a lot of documentaries, you know, they embellish or they – um they handpack you know, what they want. No, I got to tell you, it was like 95% accurate. You know, little nitpicky things that only I would know maybe off. But honestly, bro, it was like, it was super accurate, which makes it all the more insane, to be honest with you. Yes, no. Well, listen, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I'm appreciating having you on. We do have to get you on maybe to talk some hockey as well. You know, down the line, I don't know if you're still a Devils fan or if you moved fan bases. But definitely would like to get you on and talk about the game throughout the season. But AJ, where can everybody find what you're doing, what you're a part of, and also tell everybody about the beautiful partnership you just announced to get the jerseys out there. Was looking at buying one myself. Already uh, looks like they're sold out already. So what's going on there? Where can people find? Did it? I miss that? No, no. You should be. You should be good. That you should be good. So we we re released. So we started, you know, again, I wish I was a little more prepared for how this thing was going to blow up, but we, we, we are putting out merchandise again, um, yep. sold out of the t-shirts. We're working on restocking t-shirts and, uh, we're going to bring some hoodies, jackets and stuff, but we just, um, I just partnered with, uh, Andy Sutton, the old NHL defenseman, right. um, with his company, Verbero really liked those guys. And, um, they're going to be our exclusive, um, Jersey retailer right now. You know, they ship, they ship internationally, which is cool. Um, but yeah, we, so because of Drake, everyone's been asking me for the number 17 Galanti Jersey. 
So we put a pre-order that went in today. It's going to run through the week. Um, it's made to order. So it shouldn't be sold out because we're just going to, however many orders we get, you know, it's going to go to the um, warehouse to get, you know, made, yeah. you know, made to order by hand and everything. So we are going to bring other jerseys, um, alternate jerseys we used to wear, things like that in the coming weeks. So, you know, you could go to dbtrashers.com or Instagram, Twitter at dbtrashers. And check my gym out on Instagram at Champs Danbury. Definitely. Well, AJ, it has been awesome to have you on. It's kick ass to watch the documentary. Hopefully there's more big things in store. Hopefully you give us a tip of the cap when the uh, trashers come back in some <laughs> form. Because I feel like that definitely, with all this hoopla going on, has to happen. But my friend, it's been awesome to have you on. I super appreciate your time and the stories, man. No, of course. I appreciate you guys and the opportunity. And uh, no, I hope hopefully we could uh, meet one day. No, definitely. I'm up for that 100%. We will make something happen. All right, fellas. Thanks again. And yeah, anytime for wrestling, man. Anything mid to late 90s, <laughs> I right. could be a good guest. All right, hang, hang around. We'll chat. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, see ya. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk. <laughs>